Hey gang, Tom Mullen here. Do you have a child who spends more time than you'd like in front of screens consuming low quality content? Well, you can turn that screen time into something fun and worthwhile. I'm talking about mini coders, an educational game based platform including companion apps made for kids with video tutorials, virtual assistant, and games where kids learn coding skills while they play in the Roblox metaverse, all under the safety and guidance of a virtual assistant and in-game tutors. MiniCoders is perfect for homeschooled, unschooled, or traditionally schooled children alike and helps them build 21st century skills and have a ball doing so. Right now, you can try out MiniCoders with no obligation by registering for a free trial at TomMullenTalksFreedom.com slash MiniCoders. That's M-I-N-I-C-O-D-E-R-S. Again, just visit TomMullenTalksFreedom.com slash MiniCoders and start your free trial today. Every revolution starts in the minds of the people. Arm yourself for the war of ideas. Take back your life. Take back your liberty. Tom Mullen Talks Freedom. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Tom Mullen Talks Freedom. Today, my guest is Larry Sharp. Larry was the Libertarian Party nominee for governor of New York in 2018 and is running a write-in campaign for governor in 2022. Prior to that, he was a businessman who started a trucking business and sold a successful distribution company an executive coach and management consultant who has mentored hundreds of entrepreneurs, executives, and companies in leadership and team-building skills. He's been a strategic consultant for thought leaders in government, finance, law, technology, media, and healthcare, and a teacher and guest instructor who taught English, management, and business at universities such as Yale, Columbia, and John Jay College. Larry is also a native New Yorker, Marine Corps veteran, husband to Georgia, and father of two daughters, Barbara and Josephine. And today he joins me to talk about his fight against the rigged New York State election system. Larry, welcome to the show. I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for having me, Tom. You gave a speech on the weekend at the Libertarian Party of New York State Convention, where, among other things, you asked people to write you in as their candidate for governor of New York. Can you give us an indication of why we have to write you in and why we can't vote for the libertarian candidate like I've done all my life? The ad hoc name of that presentation or speech, whatever you want to call it, it was pick up your rifle. If you, I've said that many times, right, during the entire presentation, which was the idea of not surrendering, not giving up, right, getting up and, and going even though times are tough. And that's what this writing campaign really is about. When I ran in 2018, literally I was on the ballot, got 100,000 votes, um, got ballot access. I'm polling anywhere from four to 7% right now in New York State. 5% is, is the, my average polling is 5.5%. And New York State judges said I should not be on the ballot. And the Republican Party and conservative party in this state sued me to throw me off the ballot to make sure I did not get on the ballot. They sued me in civil court to ensure that I would not be on the ballot. Well, let's back up one second. Before you got to court, why? How? Well, I was going to go there. I wanted to give you something to keep your audience excited about. <laughs> <laughs> so I said, 
literally they threw me off the ballot, right? So I was doing it. This is who I am. I, I wanted the audience to know that it's not just, I'm not just some guy who's pissed off, if that makes any sense, right? I'm not just that guy. I am that guy. I'm not only that guy, is what I'm saying. I'm someone who, in theory, has done this before and has a following that is over 5% within the state. So courts and the system should, in theory, respect that to say, you know what? You can be on the ballot, not because you're a cool guy, they don't care about me, but because there's enough of New York State people who want to use their First Amendment rights and vote for you. That should be the reason why, right? If Whether I'm a smart guy, dumb guy, good-looking guy, bad, it shouldn't matter. If there are a, a significant amount of New Yorkers who want to vote for me, that should matter. And why does this matter? Let me walk down a couple of things if I could. It was prior to this year. This will be the first time in New York State that in 80 years that they will not be an independent candidate for governor on the ballot. First time. And sadly, sadly, the state does not care at all. It is irrelevant to them. They don't care about it. They're purposely trying to remove them. In 2018, last time I ran, the rules were get 15,000 signatures from across the state, which is not a crazy amount. So 18 million person state, that's not a crazy amount. <clears throat> the timing was challenging. It was like six, six or eight weeks, whatever. I think it was eight weeks, whatever. So you had, it was challenging, but could be done. And people did it. It made sure that some crazy guy couldn't get on, but someone who had some type of group of people and or resources could make it happen. Then once you got 15,000 signatures, you then had to, during the next election, you then had to get 50,000 votes or more during that election. If you did that, you had party status and you now were an official political party in New York State. While that was a challenging rule, it was one that people did. It was doable. It was achievable for, with someone who was diligent and who tried. Now, they decided, and this is when Cuomo was governor, a year later, after I'd done that, I'd spent half a million dollars, 10,000 of my own dollars, plus money I raised to make that happen. I took a year off from working out of my life. That's a contract, in my view, with the state. You owe me four years of ballot access to party. The state said, no, I, I, don't, I don't care at all. No, we're just going to change the rules because we can. And they changed the rules midstream and decided, well, it's not, it's no longer 15,000, it's now 45,000, tripled. Not just that six weeks, and we're moving, it, we're moving it ahead so that it's now doing the part where there's still snowstorms in New York State. That's what they did. Wow, H how can I possibly survive that? That is literally impossible, right? It's terrible. I, I can't believe they did that, they did that. So then I said, oh my God, now how do I do, do it? So we went to court and we sued. And judge after judge after judge simply said, no. No, where this state go to hell, where this state go to hell. One of my arguments literally was most people who run for third party, most of them know, the vast majority know, the odds of their victory is slim or non-existent. They know that. Yet they spend time, money, and energy to get on the ballot. Why? If they know they're not going to win, why would you do that? It's a protest vote. It's literally my freedom of speech, my political speech, clearly. Everyone understands that. And judges said, no, it's not. And they had to say, no, it's not. Otherwise, this is an unconstitutional law. And they would never admit that. So they just said, no, it's not political speech. So corporations can spend money. That's political speech. But me doing this is not. So basically, I just decided it's not political speech. They had to say that. That's a lie. I also said, there is no way you can tell me that for the past 100 years, 
when you get ballot access in New York State, it's for four years. Now, it doesn't say literally in the, in the law, it's for four years. You cannot tell me that's not an implied contract. If I was renting space in someone's, if I was renting space in someone's garage and I was giving them 100 bucks per month to do it, even though I didn't say per month, but if I was just doing it every month and you were accepting it every month and, I was, and that was happening, you can't all of a sudden within two weeks go, oh, by the way, now it's 300 bucks for the next two weeks or I'm going to throw your stuff in the street. No judge would say it's okay. They go, no, 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 no. You got to give Tom another two weeks. You have to finish out the month. And my argument going, well, I never said a month. Yes, but you've been doing it for months. It is an implied If it was a problem months ago, you should have told Tom months ago, this was a problem. It wasn't per month. You didn't tell him that. The assumption is there. It's an implied contract. Now that works for you and me in my garage, but again, not for me in the state. Again, they just said no. So they wouldn't do it. So there's enough next piece. The system is so tough that I physically couldn't even count all of my signatures. So I gave this, I gave all the signatures in as, to the best of my ability last minute, five minutes before it closed, they closed the door behind me. We gave 5,200 sheets, assuming it's enough. New York state law doesn't say you have to have 45,000 signatures. What it says is the BOE is to assume it to be true, prima facie. If it appears to be true, it is true. I actually thought, because my team told me we had more than 50,000, I actually thought we did have more than 50,000. I assume we do. I never counted them. I just gave it. My team said more than 50. I said, that's what we got. Done. In it goes. They said, oh, no, we're going to, we, there, there isn't enough. An objector said this. Not to be with the objector said, objector said, this is not enough. So someone said it's not enough. Well, if that happens, I get to have a hearing about this. Is it? Let's count them. Let's see. Hey, objector, are you a real objector? Are you really from New York State? Are you just some guy? How do I know? The BOE said, no, no, we don't have to. If we want to, we can just throw you off. And the judge said, yep, that's totally fair. Everyone just said, every single part of the state simply told me no the entire way through. Literally nine lawsuits. I'm not joking. Tens of thousands of dollars spent all for nothing. And the state doesn't care at all. Our judges in New York State are an embarrassment. Most of them are simply, they're just state lackeys. They should be embarrassed. Let's take a short break for this important message. Friends, if you're enjoying the content here on Tom Mullen Talks Freedom, you can support my efforts here a couple of ways at TomMullenTalksFreedom.com slash support. You can join my Patreon for as little as $3 per month and get machine transcripts to every episode and access to my members-only MeWe group, while all access patrons also get my paid subscriber-only articles and videos, or you can become a VIP patron to get all of that, plus access to all of my online courses and a signed copy of the Tom Mullen book of your choice. Now, if you prefer Substack, I also post my paid subscriber-only content there. Find links to all the ways you can support the show at TomMullenTalksFreedom.com slash support. That's TomMullenTalksFreedom.com slash support. Become a supporter of Tom Mullen Talks Freedom today. And now let's get back to our episode.
Many of them said, literally, I told, I said to them, I said, look, when I, in my oral argument, I said, your job is to check the legislature. We come to you because the government's overarching. So you have to do this. Well, it, it's not in my power. They said, it's not in my power. Then there's no power. And their other argument, of course, is, well, haven't changed the law. How can I when you won't give me political power so that I can vote to have people in my party change the law? So you've literally given me no recourse whatsoever, none, and don't care. But I, I asked this question too. What would happen if there was a horrible law they hated and they had to enact it? What would they do? I would hope they wouldn't enact it. So it doesn't matter, right? If an example I give is, let's say there was a law in New York State where the legislature passed a law that said, if you are 16 years or older and you are convicted of graffiti, that is a mandatory sentence of death. That's the law they passed. The governor signs it. You're now a judge and in a criminal case. And the jury says, yep, guilty. He did it. He did graffiti. He's 17 years old. What will you do? If you go, well, I don't have my hands are tied. I have to sentence him to death. What a horrible human being you are. If you would actually do that, what a terrible human being, what a piece of garbage person you are if you would actually sentence a 17 year old to death for graffiti. I would hope you wouldn't. And you just go, well, either I resign or I'm going to you know, just not sentence him and let the appellate courts deal with it or something. You would do something. Of course you would. Why, would I, why do I say that? Because it is in your hands. You can make a decision. You can. There are literally every single year in New York State, when we, election year, there are about a quarter million people who vote for an independent candidate, about half a million in, in, in every two years or during the presidency that vote for some third party. That's half a million. That's more than a population of Wyoming. And New York State governor, New York State said, I don't care. Your rights don't matter. It is irrelevant. Shut up and take this. And the reason why I keep going, even through all of this, where most people have told me, Larry, just quit, just stop, is because if I don't get 130,000 votes, and that's the new rules for New York State, if I don't get 130,000 votes this November, there will be no third party candidate in a generation in this nation. And I'm not joking, not just, not just in New York, because no one else is going to try to get it. It will cost anyone to make an attempt to get on the ballot $500,000, half a million dollars to fail. I dropped 300,000 and lost it all. Who is going to spend half a million dollars just to get ballot access in New York State? Meanwhile, the Republicans and Democrats will try to sue you off the ballot anyway. So even if you get on, you drop the 500,000, they will sue you anyway and judges will go, well, yeah, sorry, you don't get to be on. Who would do that? Nobody. So there will literally be no third party candidate in New York State for a generation. And worse, there won't be a presidential candidate who can get ballot access across the entire state, which means nothing. If you know what's happening in New York State, this is already a one-party democracy. It will just be a solidified one-party democracy. And across our nation, you see our divide getting deeper and deeper and deeper. Without a third party to try to somehow have a conversation, this country is going to implode. It's already doing that. I said months ago, this is an existential crisis for our nation. And sadly, most of my party ignored me. And now they're like, and now they're jumping. They're like, what? Oh my God. Oh my God. Yeah, too late. You, when I, I needed you six months ago, I need you to get off your ass and do work for me six months ago. And half of the party did. And half of the party walked away with complaints or whines or whatever reasons they decided to not help out. And now here's where we are. So let me ask you, I know at the federal level, 
the people who make at least some of the rules, if not all of them, are the Federal Elections Commission that's made up entirely of Republicans and Democrats. At the state level, this change to the rules that you made, was that actually a bill passed by the legislature and signed by the governor? It was initially a budget item, believe it or not. It was a budget item. It was snuck into an actual law is what you're saying. Yeah, it's actually I, one thing I got to give up Kathy Hochul, and I don't give her much, but I'll give her this. She actually tries to pass laws. I hate the laws that she passes. I wish she'd pass none of them. However, she does. Prior to that, what Cuomo would do is almost never pass a law. He would do two things. Shove something in a budget, which would force legislature to have to vote for it. Or he'd say, why don't you vote for the children? You hate kids. He would play that game. Or he would just make a commission and put his buddies on it. And then if legislature doesn't stop it, it becomes law. So he hardly ever passed law. Kathy Ola does pass laws, at least, or something. But of course, she has a supermajority in the, in the assembly and she runs the Senate. So it's all just, you know, rubber stamp, rubber stamp, rubber stamp. So what percentage of the New York State legislature is made up of people, elected people who are neither a Republican or a Democrat? I think none. They're all one or the other. Yeah, that's a, 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 don't quote me on that. There may be some who are officially um, conservatives, possible. If they're conservatives, they're also Republicans. Because remember, we're a fusion state. So you can have more than one party on your, on your, uh, on your, on your uh, ballot. So there may be a couple who are also conservatives. And if within a Democratic Party, there is a caucus, the Democratic Party, the DSA, which is the Democratic Socialists of America. And I think there are six or seven of them in our assembly. So there are a couple of, of socialists in our, in our assembly, but they're officially Democrats. And there are a couple of conservatives in our assembly, but they're officially Republicans. So none. So basically, virtually 100% are Republican or Democrat. And these Republicans and Democrats decided to make the rules on whether other parties could run for office. Correct. And just to be clear, <laughs> they made the rules, yes. And the judges see nothing wrong with this. That is my biggest issue of this entire thing. My biggest issue of this entire thing is when this happens, the judges are supposed to be the ones who are anti-corrupt. They're supposed to stop this. Yet somehow nine of them went, no, this is completely fair. So I don't know if you have your own podcast, but I was wondering how you and I could form a commission that would get to decide how many other podcasts are allowed to be listened to. Because I have a feeling that my following would go way up if there was only one other choice. Or what we could just do is make sure that there's only two types of podcasts. There's Tom Mullen Talks Freedom and The Sharp Way, and it's just those two. So if you want to have a podcast, you must be one of those two. And of course, then we get a cut. Right. So, yeah, right. And it's great. <laughs> so, look, Joe, Ro if I get Joe Rogan, you can have all the rest is what I'm saying. It's fine. But whatever. Right. So you get a couple. I get a couple and we all get a cut You're, you're But you have to be either sharp way or Tom on talks freedom. One of those two. And we're good. Yes, that'd be great. We should make that rule. I I'm in. Tom, let's do that. So what are people missing by not having you as a candidate? What would you say are your two or three most important initiatives? Most important thing over anything is right now in our current in our current environment, as you see, I'm sure it is left versus right, yelling and screaming. I'm not him. I'm not her. That literally is that's the, the entire campaign. You see it in New York State, New York State. It's. You got to vote for Kathy Hochul or the Republicans are going to come kill you and take away all your rights. 
And if you're a Republican, you got to vote Republican or Democrats are going to kill you and everyone's going to die. That's it. It's not I have the right answer to make your life better. It is vote for me or the other person is going to kill you. And that's what we are. So what does the third party do? When I walk in, I, I say they're both bad. Here's an actual idea to make your life better. So now whether you like my idea or hate my idea, well, now we're talking about ideas. Now we're talking about making your life better. Now it isn't just vote for me or the other guy wins. Sadly, most people aren't seeing that because they believe the narrative, which is, this is the most important election of our lifetime, which they say every time, which it never is. Right. That's fine. What kinds of things could a libertarian governor do with a Republican Democrat legislature? A lot, because the more than a Republican could believe it or not. Because if, if by some miracle, I, I don't know how that would possibly happen, the state is about three to one Democrat Republican. And Republicans don't want to vote for Democrats. Democrats don't want to vote for Republicans. So he's never going to win. But if he did win somehow, he would literally have an assembly and a Senate that's directly against him, a, ju uh, a, a judiciary, which is against him. He would have no chance doing anything. He would just, he would become a tyrant himself, right? He, would, he yells and screams about how Kathy Oak was a tyrant. He would have to become a tyrant because- what else would he do? So he would just start making executive orders and being a tyrant and doing that. And what would happen? He'll lose in four years and the Democrat will come in and undo all of his mandates. Nothing will change, right? That's how it works. We see it almost, we saw it almost with our president, right? With Obama and Trump and now Trump and Biden. They're basically just going back and forth, right? So who cares? But if I actually win, the advantage is being a third party. There are a bunch of people in this, in the state Senate and assembly who will actually switch parties. Why? Because if you're in a, a, one of the two parties and you are not senior, you have no power. You are just a, a drone. You're just a cog in the machine. You don't care. But if all of a sudden there's a new Libertarian Party, there's only like six of us in the entire state, right? So when, when, you, become, when you become Libertarian, you're basically running the party. You have lots of power, lots of uh, ability to do that. Let's take a short break for this important message. Friends, if you like to read books as much as I do, there comes a time when you realize you just won't ever find the time to read every book you're interested in. Well, I have great news. Blinkist offers the key ideas from nonfiction bestsellers in as little as 15 minutes. For most books and their extensive library, you can choose to read or listen to Blinks, which summarize the main ideas and allow you to absorb whole books in the time it takes to run your daily errands or commute to work. Not only does Blinkist allow you to glean the information you need from books you don't have time to read, it helps you to decide which ones to spend time reading and get more details. You can try out Blinkist for free and get 20% off your first year by going to TomMullenTalksFreedom.com slash Blinkist spelled B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T. That's TomMullenTalksFreedom.com slash Blinkist. Start your free trial and get 20% off today. And now let's get back to the show. How could I think of Baba with a girl like you? In our Senate right now, if we just had five or six libertarians, we'd actually run the Senate with a swing vote, right? Because this, we'd have enough to make a majority either way, right? So six, six libertarians and we have a swing vote. So we would actually run the Senate. We would 
not run the assembly. The assembly is, is too much. A supermajority with Democrats would not run the assembly, but we would run the Senate. So I'd have the Senate already and myself. But the next thing is, if I actually won, that would be telling everybody that the state wants to go third party or wants change. That is the biggest change possible, which means the people would know that there are enough people in the state that it will matter for them. It means that I have to get 35% of the vote to win. That's what I need at least in a three-way race. That would mean within certain districts, 30% of, of your population voted for a libertarian. While most politicians don't care at all about their constituents, they do care about their power. They would realize there's a power vacuum there and they'd have to do something to placate those people or they're gonna lose their seat. So that's why I would actually have more influence than someone who's Republican. That makes sense? It makes total sense. And I guess what I'm looking for, what are the policies you want to see different in New York? Oh, you meant policies. I'm sorry. Yes, thank you. I apologize. There's an there's a advantage and disadvantage the way Cuomo did things. The disadvantage is he was a tyrant and did most things through commissions and committees that no, have, no one has any recourse. The advantage of that is if I'm governor, I can disband those commissions. It's all done just from the executive branch. Or I can put my own people on them and, and, and change them completely. For example, there's an office of cannabis management, which is a useless, it's a completely useless you know, office, except you get to put people who are very wealthy on it so they can decide how they can make the most money off cannabis, which is what's happening right now. Cannabis in New York State will be assisted by people who will be taken advantage of by people who are very wealthy, particularly those who are wealthy real estate people. That's who's going to make the most money off of this. So I go into the office of cannabis management, remove the top three people who the governor picks, and put in my people with a very specific rule. Anybody who applies for a license, do not take any money, stamp. This becomes a rubber stamp place. Rubber stamp it. Anybody comes in, stamp yes. Now you might say, Larry, why don't you get rid of the license? Because later they might put the license back in. So I want to make sure that they put it back in. Everyone's not screwed. So rubber stamp licenses so they can never take that away from you. That's my goal, right? So rubber stamp licenses, make treat cannabis like a plant. It is a plant. You want to grow it. You want to sell it. Sell it like any other plant. Regulate it like onions. Totally fine. Whatever it is, regulate like onions. What does that mean? That means if you like your dealer, you can keep your dealer. That means the young guy or gal who's been selling or the older guy who's been selling for years can just go back to selling again. It will help the small guy, the little guy, the individual person who's trying to make a living. It'll help the guy by default who came out of prison who actually wants to get his life in order and actually has actually a chance of actually doing it again, right? Someone who can actually get his life back in gear. Give that person a second chance if they want to. I mean, some people out of prison don't want a second chance. I get it, but some do. So those who want a second chance, here's your chance, you have it. So I think that's one thing. But the next thing is change the way we actually fund things, right? People who are libertarians often go, abolish this, abolish that. I get that, that feels good. But the problem is people do need services. And we've spent decades breaking our community and installing government instead. So now many communities don't even have the institutional knowledge to support themselves. They, they couldn't do it if you tried, right? They don't know how to. The people who do it are gone. They don't know what to do. They, they're accustomed to just going to government every time something goes wrong. So we have to begin to break them of that while still servicing people who need services. Some people fall down, make mistakes. Some people are unfortunate. Whatever the case may be, things happen, right? So people don't need services. My issue is government doesn't do it well, and we need communities to step up. So how do we make that happen? By showing examples. There are several policies. One of them is, as you probably heard before, is leasing out naming rights to infrastructure. Lots of infrastructure across New York State, most of it's collapsing. All we do is throw more money at it and people still have to pay for it. Instead, instead of there being a, a bridge that is the RFK bridge or the Mario Cuomo bridge, 
Now it's the Google bridge, the Pepsi bridge, the Exxon Mobil bridge. I don't care what other bridge is. You name the bridge and you lease out naming rights. People say, Larry, you're privatizing bridges. I am not. The bridge is still owned by the state and or the city, depending upon which bridge it is. And we're still, it is still inspected by the state and or the city. And the people who name, do naming rights also have, to have maintenance on it. When you do that, they take care of maintenance. You front load the contract, 10 to 12 year contract for naming rights. That money now comes in $100 million a year for certain bridges. That money can now go to the MTA. That money can now go to local uh, people, can go to fixing potholes, whatever the case may be. And now that's being taken care of without taxation and remove the taxes from, remove the tolls from the bridge. Who pays tolls? Working poor middle class, usually more middle class than anything else. Who takes the MTA? Working poor middle class. We can now lower the price for the MTA and get rid of the tolls and the bridges, have better services without raising taxes. When you start thinking that way and doing ideas like that, you will find that we can still support ourselves without having to keep the tax burden going up. Not just that, if I'm actually paying taxes every year, I want people to pay taxes yearly as they do, right? Great. You can take 250 bucks of your tax burden, which you would be sending to the state. And if you want to, you can send it to any nonprofit in the state. If you do it locally within your county, that's double the 500. You're losing your money. It's going someplace. So you can choose. If you're happy with your government, again, this is, this is voluntary. There's no force here. If you like your government, please fund your government. You like it? <laughs> go ahead, fund it, right? If you don't, here is up to 500 bucks locally. You can give to any nonprofit to do the thing that government's supposed to be doing. Right, so maybe it's childcare, maybe it's a local, maybe it's a local hospital, maybe it's a, a group of people who can take your garbage. Whatever your community needs, you decide. You you find the thing that works right for you. Maybe it's a, a childcare facility. Whatever works, you give it. So you now give it there, and if it begins to work, what happens is now there's competition for the government monopoly. Right, so the government monopoly will do one of two things: it'll get better or it'll go away. But if it goes away, it only goes away because community has stepped up and filled that gap, or it doesn't go away. If the community ideas are bad and they all fail, government is still there. So there is a safety net in case the new community plans fail, because they might. Maybe the community doesn't know how to do it. Maybe they've messed up. Maybe they have bad people. Who knows? But the advantage of the community piece is if it's bad, it fails and it goes away because you will decide, wait a minute, I'm not giving you my money again. You suck at what you do. If government fails, it is rewarded with more money. So whenever government fails, it gets more money. When the community fails, something else is to pop up and government is, is the backstop. So I think if you go that route, it will change everything. And in addition to the, um, by the way, you don't think privatizing bridges would sell right now no, in New York? No, <laughs> Oh my God, you know what state we live in? New York State, brother, no way, no way. Is there anything on your platform that would significantly reduce the income taxes paid by New Yorkers right now? Absolutely, the, the goal is to create a fund very similar to what we do right now, what well, people, not we do excuse me, what a couple of other countries do, Singapore and Norway and, and some others, they have, they have what they call a sovereign fund. We will create what, what I call a social trust, the New York State Social Trust, the NIST. The New York State Social Trust is a way for permanent and private capital to put money in, to invest in, and to get a dividend. It's not debt. They invest. They get a yearly dividend as long as they invest. So they invest. The dividend comes out. They get some cash. It raises to a massive fund. That fund could easily get as large as Singapore's fund or as large as Norway's fund. Those funds are around a trillion dollars, give or take. We could make that happen within four to six years if things go well. That's the goal. If we do it well, within the first two years, the trust can actually pay for education. If the trust pays directly for education, immediately school tax goes away. When school tax goes away, that's depending on where you live in New York State, 
that's about 50% of your property tax, give or take, depending upon where you are. It's a little bit different. So some is over 50, some a bit less, right? So property tax cut in half. <clears throat> what does that mean? That means now people have a better chance of, of surviving, of staying in the state, doing the right thing, right? With 50% property uh, tax cut. Within four years, it should be able to pay for the income tax. So you can get rid of income tax. So you can end the income tax in four years, end school tax in two years. But note, I'm not just abolishing the taxes. If I just abolish the taxes, New York State just has more debt, right? Because we're not going to change spending. This is more debt. If I lower the tax, the next guy will just raise it back again. I have to have a, I have, to have a permanent answer that will actually get rid of the tax so it's going to be very hard to get back. Now, could somebody come back in and reestablish you know, school tax? Yes, but wow, that's going to be hard, right? If, I'm, if I get eight years, there'll be at least, at least six years without school tax. Your property's been cut in half. So now some guy's going to come in later. Some guy's going to go, hey, you know what we should do? Double your property tax. <laughs> it could happen. Don't get me wrong. But I've just made it very hard for that to happen again, right? So, hey, let's now make income tax a thing. Could it happen? Yes. But wow, is that going to be hard? So I'm trying to make it to where it's a, a, a change that I think can actually be permanent because people should still be able to gain services without using taxation. I don't know how many counties this is true for. Here in Niagara County, they're good enough. And in my town, they're good enough to separate the school tax from the other supposed services I'm getting, uh, the county and the town and the state. And, uh, you know, being a homeschooler who's never used the school system for my children, never attended the school system in my life, and whose ancestors going back to the old country all went to Catholic schools, it's particularly galling that I get this bill for thousands of dollars. The point I'm saying is, with my plan, the wealthy people are voluntarily paying for the average person, which is what the left wants. But they're doing it voluntarily without taxation, which is what the right wants. So it's win-win. Now you might say, well, Larry, why are we paying at all? I'll tell you why. It's in our constitution. The New York State Constitution, education's a right. So we have to pay for it by our constitution. That's the reason why this is okay. That's why teachers can take control of the, the, the students. That's why the students aren't, that's why the students, that's why the parents don't have any rights. Our constitution says the students have a right to education. Therefore, when the state steps in and ruins your kid's life, and ruins your life over, over schooling, it's because the constitution is protecting their rights. Yes, I'm being facetious in how I say it. However, it is still true, and that's the legal basis. So it's not just, it's not only that these people are bad and corrupt. They are bad and corrupt, but they actually have a legal precedent behind them to make their corruption and their evilness to feel like it's the right thing. So that's the reason why that happens. So with my system, I'm not abolishing paying for schools or government schools. I can't abolish government schools with a constitution that says that. I have to find an answer for people to go to school. So my other plan, by the way, is the, is the New York State Trust pays directly into every It pays directly $18,000 per kid in the district. It doesn't matter where you live. It doesn't matter how you, whatever you do. It is literally whatever district you assign your kid to. That's it. I don't care. You want to bus your kid someplace, go to any school you want. The money follows the kid within the district. So now there's where your money goes. When the money goes there, every person who's there, but who homeschools or who private school or private schools gets a $6,000 credit that they can now go to the private school or to homeschooling. 
there's going to be a whole lot of private schools that cost $6,000 a year because that's the that, because that's the grant you get from the government. Well, when that happens, you might say, why isn't the whole thing, Larry? Because you live in a district or register in a district. What does that mean? Just because you homeschool or private school, I don't want to break the community up. So why can't you homeschool your kid and still be on the local football team or math club or whatever the case may be? Use the library. To your point, the government has to pay for it, right? So the government is paying for it. So go to the local library still, the school library, or join the math club or, or you know, go to the prom. I don't care. Do whatever's appropriate. What will that do? That will encourage local districts to support kids who are in a homeschooling and who are and who are private schooling and have them focus on infrastructure, which the average homeschooler cannot focus on. They don't have the resources to focus on infrastructure. So the district focuses on infrastructure and the parents focus on how they want to raise their kids. It changes everything. So now you wouldn't be so mad, would you? Your taxes aren't being paid for. And if you want to homeschool your kid, the state's still giving you infrastructure to assist you. It would change everything. Well, for everyone out there who thinks everything's going fine with education and all the other state-provided services, then you can disregard everything you've heard. But for the overwhelming majority who don't think it's going fine, when we get in there, they hand us the paper. Is it easy to figure out who to write in? Is there a field there? Or do we have to go through any procedure? We don't have the ballot yet. But generally speaking, at the bottom of the ballot, there will be a thing that says write in. So it'll say, it'll say write in. So at that point, what you must do is you must circle the dot that says write in and then write my name, Larry Sharp, in that. That's it. Circle the dot that says write in, right? And then write Larry Sharp in that box. That's all you have to do. That's it. Nothing else. Sounds good, Larry. Where do people go to find out more about you and your campaign? All, go to all things Larry Sharp. It's Larry Sharp with an E, and the E stands for electable. So just make sure that you do Larry Sharp with an E. LarrySharp.com, Larry Sharp Google, on, on all the things, whether you like uh, YouTube or TikTok or Facebook or Twitter or locals, I'm on all the things, all of them. All right. We'll link to as many as we can. I want to wish you the best of luck and uh, thanks very much for spending this time. Thank you, my friend. All right, friends, that's going to do it for today. Just a few reminders to stop by TomMullenTalksFreedom.com slash support. And check out all the ways that you can support my efforts here, including joining my Patreon or my Substack. And if you haven't already, make sure that you go to itsthefedstupid.com to download a copy of my free ebook, It's the Fed Stupid. And as always, if you like the music you've heard here on Tom Mullen Talks Freedom, you can hear more at tommullensings.com. Thanks for listening. The war of ideas has only just begun. Arm yourself with the knowledge you need by heading to TomMullenTalksFreedom.com and subscribing to our email list. And remember, every revolution starts in the minds of the people.